You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Jackie Koch, and today we are talking about employee handbooks, why you need them, different policies you should think about as you're building out your business and and really having a team. And this is all, this episode is part of a series where we're talking about really the fundamentals of setting up your HR so that you don't run into issues and mistakes, like getting the the basics right. And I did a back to basic series, but this is like taking it even a little bit further of what are the mistakes we see most people make and how can you clean them up? And we've created this amazing audit that really inspired my idea for doing this podcast is I think we should go over this on the show so that listeners to the show know some of these things because they are so critical as you're starting to scale and build a team. And so I wanted to talk today about employee handbooks and some of that I've seen them be really useful. I've seen them be just crossing your dot or crossing your T's, dotting your I's. And there's a lot of ways you can use handbooks. And a lot of times small businesses don't think they need them or they think they need them later or they think it's just a legal thing they need to do. And there's no law that says you need to have an employee handbook. You don't have to. It's a best practice and it's something you I suggest that you do, but by no means is it required by law. You have to make sure you follow all of the laws, employment laws that exist, but requiring an employee handbook is not one. But it seems like it is because every single person who does HR is going to be like, how's your employee handbook? And they just say it so like obvious. You Obviously, you have one, right? So where is it? Let me see it. And I'll be the first to tell you, you don't need one. But the, let me tell you why I think you should have them. So the purpose of a handbook is really there's three reasons, three purposes on why you would want to have it. One is for inli- alignment. It makes sure that everybody on your team, they know the company's mission. They know the values. They know what's expected of them. They know their, they know how you do certain things, right? It creates alignment for your team, assuming you use it well and you've actually created a handbook that does that. The second reason is it provides clarity. So it provides clarity on compensate, on, on your policies, your procedures, your benefits. Like it provides clarity on all of those things. And it's a resource they can go when they have questions on those things. Wouldn't you love a self-serve resource so that every single time somebody's asking you a question about some of these things, you're not having to repeat it over and over again. You can, oh, it's in the handbook on page seven. And here's a link to it. So nice. And then, and also employees want that. Most employees want to go find information on their own. Like they don't want to, ask you all of these questions if they don't have to. Like they have other stuff going on in their day and they might be thinking about it when you're not available. So give it to them so they can find stuff on their own. And then the third reason to have a handbook is for some of the legal protection. So it outlines different disclaimers and some of the legal stuff so that it helps mitigate litigation risks. Now, it doesn't eliminate it just because you say something in a handbook doesn't protect you. But it does help mitigate it because you can show usually that your team members knew this is how you operated or you were clear, you set the expectation and they knew because they read and acknowledged a handbook. It helps to reinforce 
that you are doing what you say you're doing if and when a litigation risk comes. Again, I am not a lawyer, so nothing I say in this podcast is legal advice. However, HR stuff does go in toe the line a little bit, and I've had to deal with a lot of these things. So I do feel like I feel 100% confident in sharing some of these things with you. However, I'm not a lawyer. Keep that in mind. Although I really wanted to be a lawyer. Not going to do it now. Those are the purposes of a handbook. It creates alignment. It creates clarity. And it provides you with some legal protection. And then what do you want to have in a handbook, right? Is probably what you're thinking. Okay, great. I know why I should have it. What should I put in it? And things that you want to, things you want to put in a handbook are things like, a welcome. I'm going to say a welcome message, but it just sounds so more corporate. You basically want part of the handbook to be really, it's a place for you to start to create your culture. It's a place for your new employees to get a sense for what it's like to work there. What is the culture like? Who are the people I'm working with? So it is a wonderful place for you to start to weave in your culture. So that could start with a welcome message as to thanks for joining the company. This is what you're going to help us do. This is our mission. This is why we're in business. And this is like where we're going. You can really set the foundation for all of those things and use it as a moment to create your culture. There are some awesome handbooks out there. One in particular is Valve. I believe it's a toy company. It's V-A-L-V-E. They have a great employee handbook. Actually, we modeled the one that I created at Lumi a little bit after it. It was a little bit more a playbook for how to work at our company versus just a list of all of the pol- all of the required policies and you signed it, right? And Valve does a great job of creating a culture creation handbook. I highly recommend you go check that out. Welcome message, company history, your mission. All of those things can go in there really to help set the stage for what they're joining, becoming to work for you. Outline your values. Like all of that stuff goes at the beginning of a great handbook. Then you want to make sure that you're putting in employment policies. So these are things that clearly define some of the legal stuff, basically defining policies that you are committing to following and doing. So we'll talk about what some of those are. But What I'm thinking about in this part of the conversation is more like expectations. So what are the work hours? What are the attendance expectations? When do I get paid? How do I request time off? How do I, some of those things, like employment things that people might need. Like when am I expected to be online? When am I not? Those types of things are what I'm thinking about putting into the handbook. Because again, it's like a playbook for how we work. This is a great place to put like your tools. So if you have a project manager, like outline the different software and the tools that you use and what you use them for. If you use Asana, what is it used for? How can people start to learn how to use it? Create like adding some of those things in is so important. There's also you could put like links to different things, design guidelines, or we did that at Lumi, voice and tone guide. Like some of those things can also be in here because again, it's a playbook for how to work at your company. And then of course, you want to make sure you have some of the core policies in place. You want to reference some of the most important legal protection policies. Let's call them that. And so those are like the EO policy. So equal employment opportunity policy is basically a policy that reinforces 
your company's commitment to fair and legal employment practices. You should have an anti-discrimination and anti-harassment policy. It outlines zero tolerance for discrimination and harassment. You want to have a anti-retaliation policy that if somebody puts a claim forth that they were treated in a way that violates a harassment or discrimination policy, they're not going to get retaliated against. You want to have a policy for that. You want to have include the different leaves that you have, your details on your paid time off. And paid time off could be vacation and sick. Your holidays. Do you offer time off for bereavement? That's if somebody passes away that's close to them, what do they do they get paid time off for that? Jury duty, major medical issues, those types of leave policies. Not all of them have to be paid. And you want to make sure that you work with a lawyer to know what are the required leave policies based on your headcount and location so that those are woven into your handbook. What you don't want to have is a handbook that relate that talks about a leave or has a policy in place that kind of contradicts what you should have. But you essentially want to make sure that you have your policies crafted to make sure that they follow the laws of your headcount and, and where you're at. And then you also want to have like safety and security, like workplace safety protocols and security procedures. You want to have policies that describe how you establish pay, how you do performance reviews, how do you promote people. We even had a policy at Lumi of what happens if somebody's not a right fit for the job and what are signs someone might not be a right fit. We had that in our handbook and we described what we did if that came up so people knew. I think the more transparent you can be, the better. And honestly, the easier everything is, the more transparent you are. Technology is an interesting one because you want to have a policy around how they use technology in your workplace. Social media policies are pretty big. You may want to make sure that people know that you are not speaking on behalf of the company when they do stuff. Some companies want people to create a personal brand. So their social media policy is probably a little bit different. You also want to think about how, like for technology, if you have any software on your computers that track their stuff, you probably want to mention that. There's a lot of different things that go into the technology use and section of a handbook. And then you also want to, I hesitate on this because I like to provide benefit information in handbooks, to be honest. Now, some lawyers have told me not to do that because benefits could change so often. So if you don't include it in your actual handbook, have a one pager that explains the benefits that you offer and how they use them and all of that stuff. We put them in our handbook and we felt fine with that. So there again, there's no rules to this, right? There's just like best practices. And you want to make sure, I guess this is a good time to, to talk about the fact that your handbook also is used for when you have to make decisions. So what I mean by that is if, for example, I had a client that I just managed a layoff for and they had employees in a bunch of different states and not every state required PTO to be paid out. A couple of them did. But the handbook they had had not been updated yet, and it still had all of California's laws in it. And so it said PTO is paid out. And so as we were laying off some employees, because it said in the employee handbook that employees signed 
their PTO was paid out when they left, the legal team was like, you really should pay this out for everybody because it just sets you up for a claim. It's going to be less expensive to just pay it out than to, to fight a claim if somebody says they were not paid all of their wages. And so we paid it out. So it's important to think about whatever you put in handbook, you are agreeing to operate as. So what you put in there, you're committing to doing, essentially. So as you're thinking about crafting your handbook, think about that as well, because you're probably going to have to do whatever and act in the way that you say you are in an employee handbook. Because leads me to the last part of a handbook is you want to have a way that that you can show that an employee received it and they acknowledged receipt. So a lot of times that's actually done in an HR platform. That's actually another reason why I love it using HR platforms is you can upload your handbook and whenever somebody new joins your company, their handbook is sent to them right away so that they get it in their onboarding and they have to acknowledge that they've received it. So that's an crucial part. You can't just have a handbook and never send it to anybody and never have anybody acknowledge it and then be like, oh, we had a handbook. You didn't if nobody knew it existed and you couldn't show that they got a copy of it. So that is a super critical piece to it. And then you're going to want to think about it every, you want to review it every year. Laws change. If you're working with an employment attorney, a lot of them will send you like handbook update emails. You can also find some employment attorneys that just do webinars or, or share this stuff towards the end of the year. It's about this time of year that people start to do this stuff. You're going to want to review it or have an HR consultant review it every year just to make sure it's up to date. There's not always major updates that it has to make, but there's usually a couple changes here and there that do happen, especially if you're in certain states that tend to have a lot of employment laws. So that is a handbook and the parts and the reasons to do it, to have one and all the parts that go into what a good handbook is. I also wanted to take a few minutes just to talk about what are some policies that you probably will wish you had created when you're managing a team. And I say that because things will come up and you're like, oh God, I wish I had a policy for that or I wish they knew that. And so some of those things are, I created this list of things that I think will help you to think about ahead of time so that if a situation happens with an employee, you got to exactly what to do. So the first is a remote work policy or a flexible schedule policy. So you want to clarify your expectations around work hours, where they work, when they log on, response times, availability, all of those things you want to clearly identify in a remote work policy. Also detail any sort of like time tracking or cybersecurity stuff that you need to have in place, all of those things in that policy if people are not working in an office. Communication norms is huge. So establish guidelines for internal communication tools and expected etiquette. We did this at Lumi. We defined when we used Slack and when we used email and when we used Google Docs and meetings. And it was great. And so what is something used for and just set those standards and how to act. Even our Slack policy was like, don't at everybody. And if you don't use Slack, you might not know what this is, but there's a way for you basically to put something into a channel to alert everybody that it's there and it's super disruptive. So we made it a policy that you didn't do that and why, right? So that was stuff we did. So you can even get that detailed. Again, it sets up your culture. It sets up how you operate. That's what this is for. Also, you could set up a policy around how you establish productivity and performance standards. So 
how, like, how do you define goals? How do you create key metrics that you track? When are they used? When are they looked at? Do you review them in a dashboard every week? Do you review them in a monthly meeting? Are they reviewed once a year? Just creating a process around how you do that and keeping it very open and transparent will be huge for how your team works together. We already talked about time off policies. There's parental leave, which is a huge one. You may want to start to think about, do you want to offer any paid time off to employees that are having new family additions? Some states require you to, others, most don't, but it is starting to become more and more of a thing. Create a policy around how you do performance or so not only just performance reviews, but compensation reviews. So like when can your team expect to know if they're getting a pay raise or not? Is it every year on their anniversary? Is it every six months? Like when is that? And make it very consistent. Trust me on this. Having a process for this is going to save you so much because they're going to know when they can talk about it. It's not even that they can't talk about it, but it just creates this uncomfortableness between them and you of, hey, I really feel like I want to talk about a pay raise. I haven't had one in two years, but I don't know when to bring it up. So they're either going to bring it up all the time. They're never going to bring it up and they're going to go find another job. Like it just creates a very, it takes the emotion out of it, right? Because it creates what you do and they know how to do it. And then if they want to talk about it outside of that, they'll be like, hey, I know that we typically review compensation around this time, but I wanted to bring it up because of X, Y, Z. It just creates such a better conversation around it. And it doesn't typically leave you completely unprepared for the conversation. There's nothing worse than going into a one-on-one with your team and them asking for a pay raise without you having no time to think about it. You're just like completely sidelined. So if you have a policy in place ahead of time, it typically helps those things. It helps those things not happen. So those are some of the core policies that I think can really help you when you have employee stuff come up. I'm sure there's others. And as I think of them, I'll definitely perhaps record another podcast. But these are usually the things that create the most uncomfortable employee relations conversation. So if you can just establish what they are ahead of time, it can save so much just it makes it so much easier. That is a handbook. Again, a handbook is not required by law. It is a best practice. We went over why it's a great idea, how it can actually help your business. I highly recommend you don't just create a very legalese handbook. It doesn't really help anything. It doesn't have the impact that you really want it to. And you probably aren't reviewing it to make sure it's accurate all the time. So Definitely create one that's more of like a playbook for how your team works together and you are going to find it to be so much more impactful and useful. So thank you for tuning in. And tomorrow we are going to talk all about what are the best next practices for you to put in place in your business. And we'll chat again soon. That's a wrap on another episode of Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now, because guess what? You're the boss now. You listen to the show because you care about doing the people stuff right in your business, and I commend you for that. At my company, People Principles, our mission is to help more small businesses succeed, and we believe that building a thriving, high-performing team with the right systems in place is crucial to making that happen. 
that's why we've got our incredible toolkit shop. It's your one-stop destination for everything HR and team related. Each toolkit is loaded with everything we've ever done in-house with high-growth startups, from hiring processes to performance management to handbooks. It's all there. And we've built these toolkits specifically with you in mind, the small business owner, because what you need at 10 to 30 people is very different from what you need over 100 people. So don't wait and head over to peopleprinciples.co forward slash toolkits and explore our complete people operations toolkits. It's like having an HR expert in your back pocket, walking you through the journey to building a thriving team and a thriving business.